This is the Find Your Focus podcast with Goals Classroom. We chat with inspiring and creative entrepreneurs to encourage, empower, and equip you to take the next steps in your photography business. We want you to leave each episode with actionable steps so that you can gain confidence, book your calendar, and earn more income with your passion. So grab some coffee or your drink of choice and let's get to it. Hey everyone, I'm Logan Fay and the host of the Find Your Focus podcast with Cole's Classroom. Today I'm talking to Chris from Swift Galleries and the Printmaker System, which helps photographers run a successful IPS or in-person sales business. Chris started out as a wedding photographer and noticed that the photography industry didn't have anything out there to help IPS photographers with sales meetings from start to finish. So Chris decided to create a program of his own. Something that I really love about this interview is that Chris explains why photographers should consider a switch to IPS. And guess what? It isn't always about making more money. Yes, he talks about how with IPS, you can make more money and shoot less, but it all comes down to having more time for your family and hobbies. Even if you are not interested in making the switch to IPS right now, this interview will still be helpful and very interesting. Let's dive into this interview with Chris. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, of course. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So before we jump into everything IPS, tell us about how Swift Galleries came to be and kind of the history behind it. Yeah, so Swift Galleries is our wall art design and in-person sales tool. And it's actually kind of like the the second thing that we've built to address this problem. So Adrian, my wife, Adrian and I were full-time wedding and portrait photographers for way too many years. And while we kind of made the switch over to in-person sales, we we grew our business a ton, but there were some things that we felt were missing in the market and we kind of waited for other companies to come up with them. And then when they didn't, we decided, Hey, you know what, let's just build this thing ourselves. So the first thing we made was an iPad app called Preveal. And it was basically the Waller design part of what Swift Galleries does now. It was the first mobile design tool on the market. We're still really proud to be able to say that. And that kind of eventually morphed into what Swift Galleries is now. So Swift Galleries kind of takes the same idea, takes it off of the iPad, makes it available on on basically any kind of device and adds a whole in-person sales thing in there. So basically it has your slideshow and your call and comparing images and then selling, you know, wall art and all the other types of products. It kind of walks you through this, the full in-person sales meeting right there inside the software. So it really was one of these, like, uh, you know, in the software world, we call it scratching your own itch. We had a problem. We waited for somebody else to do it and then they didn't. So we, you know, reached out to somebody and of course, I, you know, I mean, gosh, so Preveal was back. We launched Preveal back in 2012 and I knew absolutely nothing about this kind of stuff. So like literally just reached out to a friend who like I knew he wrote code and that that's all I knew. I was like, you write code. So obviously you can make this thing, right? <laughs> and it just turned out that he could. So that's kind of how it started. And now Swift Galleries has a ton of users around the world, which is amazing to see. And they can kind of show their clients what their work looks like on their own walls at the right size and then go through the whole sales process with it. I love that it not only not only can you show people what, you know, artwork will look like on their walls, but it takes you through the whole, you know, IPS session, which is really nice. 
it's fun talking about it because there's still moments that I'm like, yeah, we made this. Like this is still nuts to me. Yeah, it's it's just a cool tool because, like you said, it, it has everything all in there, and that, and that's really the gap that we saw with Preveal was like, this is really cool for kind of showing this stuff and designing this stuff, but we wanted to create something that made it easier to to actually go through the sales process, especially if you really don't know what you're doing. Like you literally just click the next button, you know, and it's like, okay, now I'm going to do this step. So, yeah. Yeah. IPS can be so overwhelming. So having a resource like that to help guide you through it all is pretty amazing. So for our listeners who want to jump into IPS, but are kind of hesitant because like I said, it can be pretty overwhelming. What advice do you have for them? It's definitely daunting. I feel like the industry as a whole has kind of made it feel that way more than it, than it really should be. Cause you know, you get these courses and all of these things and it's like, well, you know what, maybe it's this, it's that you see all these people talking about like, Oh, I do IPS and I get these $6,000 sales. And you're like, I'm struggling over here for $150 just trying to sell a disc or I guess I'm aging myself a thumb drive or, you know, a digital download. I was going to say, wait, did, um, did, we, did we say disc? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like disc. So, sorry. So let me explain. Um, so a disc was like this like circle thing that people like put into their computer and it's just, it, don't worry about it. Us old people know what it is. So uh, anyway, so it's, I think it can be daunting because you see that and you're like, how do I ever get from where I am? to where this person is. And my biggest piece of advice would be kind of the piece of advice that I give for basically everything. It's like my life and work mantra. It's make it work, then make it better. Like, I think that we get so stuck on like, everything has to be perfect. I have to add this new process into my business and it needs to, it needs to be flawless from day one. And that's just not feasible. It's just not sustainable. So if instead you can say, you know what, I'm just going to get something out there today, anything, even if it's junk, like I'm just going to get something out there today so that I can make it better tomorrow. So I'm going to make it work today with anything. And really it's just about kind of establishing momentum. And then I can spend the rest of forever making that something better. And it's so much easier to iterate your way to something great than to just wait and wait and wait until it's perfect. Because then, you know, what happens is you wait, 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 and you finally put it out there. And then you find out that it doesn't work. You know, like you might as well put something crappy out there first and get feedback and make it better with the feedback that you're getting as you go. So, yeah, I love that you said that because it's kind of like the same with sessions when you're starting out getting feedback from your clients or from, you know, whatever group you might be in, whether it's Cole's Classroom Pro or another group, getting feedback on your work is always good no matter what. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, excellent. So what mistakes do you see people making that are trying to make the switch from, you know, shoot and burn or just whatever it might be to IPS? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the main thing is thinking, okay, I'm going to do in-person sales. So I'm going to start at the end and I'm going to do this sales process. Like I'm going to take this client that is already kind of in my pipeline and I'm going to do a sales meeting now and like, and then I'm going to make all the money. Right. And in reality, when you do in-person sales the right way, the selling has already happened by the time they get to the sales meeting. So what's going to happen and what we see happen all the time with people who are going through this is they say, okay, I'm going to take this person who thought that they were just going to get the session and the files. I won't say the disc, the session and the files (laughs) for X number of dollars. And now I'm going to do a sales meeting. And 
and their client is like, feels bait and switched. And they're like, wait, what? I thought I was going to get this. And like, wow, your prices are crazy. And it ends up being this really well, as a photographer, kind of a traumatizing experience where you're like, it didn't work. You know, you're like, oh, I tried IPS and it didn't work. Well, it's because you kind of tried to like throw them into the deep end. And in reality, you really need to start before the client ever even contacts you is where the selling starts. The selling starts on your website in attracting the right people to your business in the first place. And I, I could go down this rabbit hole for hours, but I won't. So I think that's the main thing is that we see is, you know, I tried doing in-person sales and it didn't work. Okay. Well, what did you try? Well, I, you know, I just, I did a sales meeting and then they were like, what do you mean? Do you want me to buy stuff? And instead I would say, if you're going to do anything, if you're going to start somewhere, then I would start by, uh, by setting expectations on, on your website, your blog, social media, basically everywhere someone touches your brand, everywhere they see your work before they ever contact you, start setting expectations for the products you want them to buy. You need to start showing people that people come to you for products, even if they're not coming to you for products yet. You have to set that expectation that like, this is what I want to be doing. This is what I do. And even just that small thing will make such a massive difference by the time you get to the sales meeting. And obviously there's a ton of other stuff that you can and should be doing between when they inquire and then through the sales meeting. But I would say that if you're looking for somewhere to start, that's a great place to start. So speaking about clients and kind of, you know, how to not make them feel overwhelmed and kind of, you know, spring a new idea on them. Is there a way to make the switch to IPS without losing clients? So, you know, I mean, I, I would love to be the guy who's going to tell you like, here, I'm going to give you this super secret, well, secret, you know, the hack to, uh, to keep all of your clients when you switch to in-person sales. And that's just not going to happen. But that's a good thing for you. And it's a good thing for your clients because you will have clients who come with you. And those clients are going to be the ones who really understand why you do what you do and why you're making this difference. And, and just so that it's clear, the reason that you should be switching to in-person sales is not just because it's going to make you a lot more money. It's because it's actually better for your clients because this is kind of tough love for the shooting burners out there. I love you guys. But when you hand a thumb drive, I, I'm trying so hard not to say disc, when you hand a thumb drive to a client with all of their files on it, what you're essentially saying is here are your files, good luck figuring out what to do with them. The client doesn't know what to do and they just have to hope that like the 17 year old at Walgreens at the photo desk that's getting paid minimum wage cares enough to figure out what to do with them and knows enough to figure out what to do with them. So when you make this switch, I hope that it's because obviously you want to make more money in your business. We run businesses. You should be making enough money to sustain you and to do the things that you want to do with your life. That's why you own your own business. But I also hope that it's because you actually care about serving your clients well, because that's really what this process is. We, we joke around that IPS, not even really joke around, but that IPS shouldn't be in-person sales. It should be incredibly personal service because that's really what we're talking about here. So back to the question though of how do I do this without losing clients? You don't. Some clients will leave because they are there for your price. 
you do not want clients who are loyal to a price because as soon as the photographer who lives three doors down from you lowers their prices to below yours, well, guess what? That client's going to leave because they're loyal to price. And that's okay for them. Like, I'm not saying that's a bad person. That's just what's important to them. So, those people who say like, oh, well, that costs way too much. I, you know, I can't, I can't continue working with you. Don't feel bad about that. There's a thousand photographers within like a stone's throw of your front door yes. who will be more than happy to serve that person. But there are people out there and we see it every single day with our members. They say the same things that you're thinking right now, like no one in my market will pay that, you know, and every single one of them, when they do the work, they're proven wrong, you know, and they're like, oh my gosh, somebody just gave me $2,500 for, you know, for photos. And like, some of these are like, I just made $3,100 selling products to a client who already had all of the files. And like that to me is the proof that what we're doing as in-person sales photographers is truly better service because the clients, like they can do this themselves, but they choose instead to go through you because you know what you're doing and you can help them along the way. So, so yeah, you're going to lose some clients, but the ones who stay with you, they'll be far more loyal clients to you and you're going to make far more money off of them. So what ends up happening is you can cut back the number of sessions that you need to do while drastically increasing your sales. So we have we have one member, I, I love kind of where she came from. Before she joined us, she couldn't pay to fix her camera. She had like a $200 repair that she needed done on her camera. She wow. couldn't pay for it and ended up joining us and made this huge improvement. She made three times more in two months than she had made in the entire previous year. That was now a handful of years ago, but now she makes 10 times more than she made shooting and burning, working half the number of hours. And like That's that amazing. to me <laughs> is a successful business. You know, it's not just like I'm making all the money. No, I'm making as much money as I want to be able to make while also cutting my hours. So like they just moved from Texas to Florida. I see pictures of her like out in the, in the lawn, like in the middle of a workday, watching a SpaceX launch with my kids, you know? And like, <laughs> and that to me is what it's all about. Figure out what that balance is for you and then set up your business to be able to support that balance. And, and I think that's really what we help people do over here, if that makes sense. Yes, it, it definitely does. And I used to be an elementary school teacher and I quit because I wanted more time with my kids. I did not have, I, I mean, I would spend every single weekend and every single night working on lesson plans for my kindergartners and first graders. And I had no time with my kids. So I quit to do photography full time to make sure that I have time for my kids. But Running a business the way I'm running it without doing IPS, you know, I'm kind of just for our listeners sake, um, I'm in the middle of switching to IPS, but doing sessions every single weekend and some weeknights is still taking away from my kids. So my goal is to, you know, shoot less and make more. And I know a lot of people will say, well, I feel bad charging that much for, you know, charging those prices. Well, the way that I look at it is that they're getting artwork. They're getting albums that they can pass down to their kids. They're having frames and prints done that they can display in their house proudly. So those photos are getting shown around their house on display. They're, they have memories to look at instead of, you know, having a thumb drive in their 
in their drawer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, and, and if you want to think about it that way, somebody will spend three, four, five thousand dollars on a couch, right? Are they going to hand that couch down to their kids? <laughs> no. They could justify that purchase. This thing's going to have a much longer lifetime than the couch that they just spent an arm and leg on. I actually want to go back to something you said was this idea of, I don't want to charge clients that much. Okay. Mm -hmm. Totally get that. I absolutely understand that. If I truly believe that photography is important and family photos are important and that everyone should have them, then I get that feeling of, then I can't charge that much because I want everybody to have them. You have to decide, do you run a business or do you run a charity? And I kind of look at this like Tesla. I'm a huge fan of Tesla. Tesla, when they launched their their electric cars, they started with this uh, Roadster. It was like, I don't know, a bajillion dollars or something, somewhere around one to two bajillion dollars. But his plan was, I'm going to launch the bajillion dollar car and it's going to pay, those few people who buy it are going to pay for me to be able to launch the coupe. And then the coupe's still going to be, uh, or sedan, sorry, the sedan. And the sedan's still going to be pretty expensive, but it's going to pay for the SUV, which is also going to be very expensive. But the people who buy those, those are going to pay for the $30,000 Model 3. It's this idea of kind of using these clients who can afford it and who want this level of service to subsidize the other stuff that you want to be doing. And that's, I think, where I would like photographers to look at this kind of thing is like, yeah, I want to give it away too. And that's fine. But guess what? I have a family to feed and what I do has value. So I want to make sure that if I give it away cheap or free to somebody, that they are the ones who truly understand the value that I'm giving them so that they'll cherish those things even more. So I don't know. That's just a rant soapbox. You can cut that out if you want to. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think all of that's good. And I, soapbox. I, I do think that a lot of photographers undervalue themselves. Absolutely. You know, if you really track your time, track how long it takes you to interact with a client before the session, track how, you know, how long it takes you to prepare for the session, how long do you spend at the session? How long you spend editing? And then divide that by however much you're charging, some photographers will be like, oh, I'm only making $5 an hour. And they don't realize yeah. that they are completely undervaluing themselves. Yes, terrifying when you first learn your numbers. You're like, oh, wow, what am I doing here? I should go get a job, you know, working fast food or something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think another reason that we undervalue ourselves is because whether we want to admit it or not, we think that what we do is easy but it's only because it comes easy to us. Yes. It's because we are, we're good at what we do. So it feels a little weird sometimes being like, I point this thing at somebody, I press a button and friggin' magic comes out the other end, but we don't realize the whole time that it was magic. I kind of talk about this with, uh, with our, our CTO, the guy who actually writes all of the code. And I tell him, I'm like, you realize you're a wizard, right? I say, hey, this thing needs to do this. And he's like, yeah, that's easy. You just do blah, blah, blah. And then this and then the code thing and the blah, blah, you know? And I'm like, you're a wizard. Like, talk to me like I'm a muggle. <laughs> I'm not a wizard. I'm a muggle, you know? And, and I think as photographers, we need to remember that our clients are muggles too. And, yes. and what we do really is magic. And if you don't understand that reference, then I feel so bad for you and you need to go <laughs> through 
through all the Harry Potter books or movies. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so just remember, you are a wizard, not a muggle. And, uh, and what you do is freaking magic, guys. I love it. I, I'm so glad that you brought that up and compared it to, you know, writing code. Because when you compare it to that, because, I mean, if you're a photographer and you can write code, then you're awesome. That is not easy for a lot of people. So I like that you compared it to that. So tell us about, about the printmaker system and how it has helped photographers with IPS. Yeah. So the printmaker system is kind of our full education behind the Swift Galleries tool. So I like to think of it this way. Have you ever had one of those people come up to you and they look at the back of the camera and they say, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a really nice picture. You must have a great camera. And you're like, mm, you know, like you want to like punch them in the nose. Um, because you and I know that the camera is just a tool. It's it's our magic. It's our wizardry behind it that makes it, you know, that makes it actually work. It's all of the education. It's all of the things that we've done to, to learn how to use it properly that makes it work. And that's what the printmaker system is. Swift Galleries is that camera. Swift Galleries is that fancy, shiny tool that like makes it look easy, makes what we do look easy. But that tool is, I mean, like a hammer is not going to build a house by itself, right? You have to know how to swing that hammer. Swift Galleries is not going to just make you money. So the printmaker system is the whole process behind like how to use this tool. It's a six week program. It goes through setting goals. It goes through picking products. And really the whole goal is to get somebody from, I have never sold a single print in my life to like, I'm confident I can go into a sales meeting and I can make $2,000 plus every sales meeting. So it starts with goal setting. From there, we go into product picking, figuring out exactly what kind of products you should offer to your clients. And then from there, pricing, we figure out kind of what your average sale needs to be and what products you're selling and figure out your pricing kind of based all on you and your business. And then from there, we go into sales where I talk about that full sales process that I kind of hinted at earlier with setting expectations up front. That's like the tip, 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 tip of the iceberg for the full sales process that, that kind of walks somebody all the way to, to purchasing. And then we go through sales, we go through like setting up all of your systems and processes in your business so that it's not just like, okay, now I understand how to do in-person sales. No, it's I have all of the tools and all of the emails and the sequences and the scripts and the software and everything all set up in my business to do it. And then in the final week, we do like a one-on-one -on -one where we just say like, okay, here's where you are. What are we doing next? So that's the system. And this process is has done stuff that I've never even imagined it could do. I mean, there are people who have taken this stuff that we've taught them and gone so much further with it than even we did. Our best sale was in the six to $7,000 range. That was a great sale. I'm happy with that sale. But we have a member who just got a $14,000 sale. We have somebody in Australia who just had a $30,000 month. And I mean, that's far better than we ever did with this. So it's really cool to see this stuff that that we kind of teach people and then to see them take it and just run so much further with it than we ever did. It, it makes me feel good. It's sort of like when you say like you want your kids to be better off than you were. My only hope is that my kids will grow up better off than I, than I am. Uh, and I was, it's, it's kind of like that. It's like, all right, this is my baby, all of this education and all of the stuff that we teach. And I just want to see people take it and go so much further with it and then start teaching it to other people. Cause, um, 
it's making a huge difference in people's lives. It's really cool to be able to be a part of that. I love it. So if our listeners want to find you on social media, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at uh, Swift Galleries. So Swift Galleries. But probably the best thing, if any of this sounds interesting to you, then the best thing for you to do would be to head over to switch2ips.com. So that's all spelled out. It's not the number two because I'm not cool like that. It's just switch2ips.com. And uh, I think that's probably the best spot for you to get started if this kind of stuff sounds interesting to you. Perfect. Well, thank you, Chris, so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's always fun talking with you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Find Your Focus podcast with Cole's Classroom. I hope that you got some great takeaways from this episode that you can apply to your business. Make sure to visit colesclassroom.com backslash podcast for the show notes and any links that we talked about during this episode. If you like this episode, head over to iTunes and tap that five-star button and leave us a review.